Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven so you can catch us on the road. Promise we RIP CITY! Are you listening? I'm Christian Gamaline. In case you missed me, I'm back. And I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer. And this is the Peeps and Plaid Podcast. The Blazers went 1-3 and three in the last week and are currently second worst in the West with a record of 5-10. and 10, Just better than the Golden State Warriors. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But a glimmer of hope on the horizon as future Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony leads this team to victory! Man, I'm stoked for Game of Zones to just roast the Blazers this season. The Blazers are 1-2 and two to start their six-game road trip, and it's not looking to get much easier going forward, going against the Bucks next. Like I just said, the Blazers added Carmelo. A couple other things. Nasir Little is awesome. Also, Pau Gasol has been waived and will be taking on some sort of coaching position with the Blazers this season because his recovery from his foot surgery is taking longer than expected and has no end in sight. So he's not on the team anymore. There's a lot to unpack. And I just really don't want to dwell on any of these games because they're just as ugly as every other game has been since Zach Collins went down. So I'm going to start off by talking more or less about Carmelo Anthony. Are you ready for a rant, Austin? I am ready, and I think our audience is ready. Oh, yeah. Okay. Plus, minus. Call of Duty Team Deathmatch. Raise your hand if you play Call of Duty, or at least at some point have. Yes, if you're raising your hand... You're weird because this is in the past and I'm not saying anything based off of raised hands. It doesn't matter if you get 50 kills in Call of Duty Team Deathmatch. If you get 51 deaths, you are a net negative. That's just the way it is. Your team would have been better off without you. That's not the full truth. You know, there's there's other factors. It doesn't add in assists. Maybe you, you're going kamikaze every single life and your teammates are just getting extra kills because of that. But 9 times out of 10 in Team Deathmatch, I would prefer to have someone have 10 kills, only 10 kills, but only 6 deaths, rather than someone with 50 kills and 51 deaths. You're at a plus minus of positive 4 rather than negative 1. The game of basketball is not exactly like Call of Duty, but it is similar. If you're getting triple doubles and scoring 50 and this, that, and the other thing, but your team loses and your plus minus is negative 10, that's a problem. Uh, Not saying this was the case, but look at Dame in the game against Brooklyn. He scored 60 points franchise record, career record, and he was a plus four, and the team lost. That's that's to say, like, the rest of the team sucked. Uh, but Dame had 64 and 5, shooting 58%, 7 for 16 from 3, 15 for 15 from the free throw line, which I'm pretty sure is thanks to my constant MVP chance, and he was a plus four. Meanwhile, CJ, Mr. 8 points on 4 for 19 shooting, was a plus six, better than Damian Lillard. So, All that to say, plus minus is not, in any sense of the word, a perfect statistic to tell you everything about a player, nor is any other statistic. But it has a purpose, and I say all this for this reason. Carmelo Anthony joined the Trailblazers just after our last episode, so it's been like a week. It's not news to anyone else, but it's news for peeps and plaid. Carmelo was negative 20 when he was on the floor against the Pelicans. I don't (laughs) care. I really don't care that he was negative 20. It's his first game back in over a year. And he did about as well as I expected, maybe even better. A lot of Blazers fans are pointing to the plus-minus, which makes sense. In about 10 games, I will be too. But suddenly, Carmelo's stands are coming out of the woodwork about how the plus-minus is useless and no one cared about it until Carmelo. 
And it's like, first off, I use it just about every week in this podcast. I'm not the end-all, be-all or anything like that. But I've cared about the plus-minus for a while. Second, I don't care about Carmelo's plus-minus in one game after not playing for an entire year. Absolutely. So that's something about the plus-minus. It's how the whole team does when you're on the floor. It's not just how Carmelo is doing. So... You could be so just for the audience and, and myself clarification. You had said he had a, he had a negative uh, negative twenty plus minus when he was on the floor. Are you talking about him as an individual or the team? I'm saying yes, exactly. The team scored okay. twenty points less than they were scored on while Carmelo Anthony was playing. So Got it. you as a player could be lighting it up, getting blocks and steals on the other end, but somehow the rest of the team just can't make a shot, and they're letting their uh, they're playing defense and they're letting them just blow right by, and they could ruin your plus minus no matter how good you're doing. But if you play with a bench unit that collects, say, negative nine uh, in five minutes playing together, then you play the only minus minutes that the starters get, and you get, like, negative five, whereas the rest of the starters do great the rest of the game. And then you play with right. the bench and get negative six again. You could get minus 20, and it's just showing that you were the common denominator between when everyone else sucked. Um, yeah, but that could uh, – not to not to halt the rant here too much, mm-hmm. but – you know that that part of that is not just how Carmelo Anthony is acclimating to the pieces around him, but it's also about the four other. Think about it. What's more likely, right? Uh, there's four. Is it one person just doing incredibly horrible uh, in terms of how they are affect how they are uh, contributing individually to each of the four players around them, or is it more likely that the four people around them are also you know struggling to to um, incorporate this new piece as well. So, you know, obviously there is that common denominator, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, there's, there's, that's, that's, there's, there's four of the people on the court that need yep. to become accustomed to this person's play style. Exactly. Exactly. So my problem is if it's 10, 20 games from now and you're still consistently like nine or 10 lower than anyone else on the team, you're clearly the common denominator. After one game, I couldn't care less. Uh, so I'm just going to, on Twitter, everyone's talking about this plus-minus. They're like, oh, no one who really knows basketball cares about the plus-minus. Most of you don't even know what the plus-minus is. First off, I'm not claiming that I'm like some basketball genius or I've been playing basketball all my life. Second off, yes, I know exactly what the plus-minus is referring to, okay? Thank you very much. Clearly, like, this guy... This sounds oddly targeted right here. Quite targeted. He's not in the mood to have a conversation throwing all caps at me for no reason. I wasn't even calling out Carmelo. I was just saying, yes, I do use the plus-minus, in fact. Um, So the plus-minus has a purpose, and I'm not going to freak out about Carmelo after one dang game. But, like, the alternative is Hazonia or Tolliver. So they're probably getting minus 20 just as well. So, um, yeah, the plus-minus is an important Can we just take a moment to reflect on how Anthony Tolliver started, like, three or four games for us, and then finally he was ousted, and then— After he was ousted, it took like another four to five games for Mario for Mario Hazonia. Okay, I shouldn't say another four to five games. That would be like more than the aggregate. Eh, not really, not more than the sum yeah. of games that we played. But it, it took too long for both of them to be starters. You know what I mean? Like yes. it should have taken three three games. Three games each. Yeah. So three games each. Tolliver did good his first game. He did decent his first game. And then he was terrible. And Hazonia is Hazonia, and I actually think Hazonia has some value on this team potentially on the bench, not playing power forward, because he's, he's done pretty well at times. Um, I'm not saying he's amazing. I said coming into the season that he was like a worse Mo Harkless, and that's ex- that's like exactly how he's been playing pretty much. So I will take him playing small forward for eight minutes a night. 
Uh, Tolliver, I don't think, really has a place on this team, uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about that pretty soon. But my point is, the plus-minus is an important tool, not at all perfect, not at all really mattering in Carmelo's first game with the Blazers when he is. this is the first time he's ever played with his teammates. But before I get into my next rant, Austin, what are your thoughts from this last week and Carmelo's first game as a Blazer? I think I think Carmelo just even off the ball, he just looked he looked like he fit he fit our system pretty well. Um, and his trainer, I watched some of those some of the videos from his his personal workouts since he had uh, been been on his own. And um, I think there was obviously that that Mellow Mondays. I think he releases a, a weekly video, and uh, his trainer said, you know, it's it's really been his job to stay in game shape, and I'm helping him with that. But obviously, my job primarily here since we've gotten word on this, which has been. I think a week now. I yeah, think, right. It's like Thursday. so, we heard. We got. I mean, we as the public got word about it on on Thursday, but he had heard about it on Wednesday. So um, he, he's had a, a whole week. Actually, less than that, if you're considering him playing last night, uh, for his trainer to to help him become accustomed to the system. So I think that his game fits the system pretty well. Um, I think that chemistry wise, CJ. Obviously, he has that chemistry with him. It sounds like Dame and him have had some individual communication. Um, I think that I think that the older I get and the more I watch the NBA, I hate to be this guy, but there are obviously defensive giants in the NBA, both tall and short. Uh, but the older I get, the more I, I start to understand the merit in, in what some NBA haters say is a lack of defense in the NBA. And I think that Carmelo Anthony is that, that kind of – lifetime athlete whereas clearly he's declined you know (laughs) since his days in denver but you don't necessarily have to be that guy to find time on the court and you know there were a couple times where he got he got beat on that side of the court uh but you kind of live with it i don't know if you live with it if it's like you said 10 games in and it's the same performance as we had seen last night but after those first, you know, he obviously hit that spot up three, and it just looked so clean coming out of his hands. The, the amount of confidence, and I had just flipped the game on, seriously, maybe three seconds before that shot went, and I was like, ooh, that looked good. And then he had that, you know, that push-off uh, elbow jumper. Like, it, it, just the way his stroke looks, it, it, you, I don't have that confidence with anybody except for Dame when he's hot and CJ now. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say CJ when he's hot because, um, you know, Dame, Dame, Dame is one of those guys where when he gets to the rack, he, I have that level of confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Like it, like just in how it looks, I don't, I, I know that's extremely yeah. subjective, but like just how it looks like Dame, Dame can have Rudy Gobert on him and, and he, it looks like he's right on him at the rack. And as soon yeah. as Dame goes like that real quick up right on the glass, it's like, Oh, it's, it, I, it just, I, 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 I put more money than not that it's going. Same yeah. with same with CJ at the mid range. Long story short, Carmelo just kind of gave me confidence as a fan. Just like kind of looking at the ball came off his finger, how it came off his fingertips, even in the misses. Yeah. Like, but I don't I don't have that confidence. I mean, you talked about Nazir Little looking great, as great as he's looked in 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 some of his putback and his hustle, and that's and I think he's he's kind of he's kind of the the joint general brand uh Maurice Harkless and and Al Farouk Aminu for us right now and I don't I don't know Whoa. how good that is in terms of that, like I said the ge- the joint general brand 
the joint general brand. Um, there are a lot of things missing <laughs> from that, and, and I think that maybe we'll soon will, will be developed in his career. But um, we have to understand that, that coming into this season, the goal was not to make the playoffs. The goal was not to make the Western Conference Finals. The goal was to make the NBA Finals. So I'm I, on Twitter here recording – I'm judging this from the stance of a preseason fan, because first of all, we're we're five and are we five and nine or five and ten now? Christian? Five and ten. Okay, so meh, you know that's that's even if we went four and two on the next couple, uh, you know, couple 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 spurts home and home and away. Eventually, the law of averages are going to play in our favor, and 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 as long as we're at it, we're we're at a, an even medium. Come winter, come February, when we start seeing, you know, Nurk come back, maybe when we make a couple trades, which you're obviously going to discuss later in this episode, um, then that's still not that far-fetched to weigh it against the, the, the frame that I had just um, pitched being being an NBA Finals appearance. Now, obviously, right now it seems like that, uh, but everything that I speak about this season, at least for now, I'm not, I'm not going to give up, and, and I'm going to be... Maybe even a little bit superlative in, in some of my, um, I don't know what the word would be, some of my uh, um, assessments of this team and its players. It's because we had such high hopes. And that's everybody. Yeah. That's everybody oh, yeah. that's that's been paying attention to this team. So, you know, long story short, what have I thought about these last couple games? We can't Dame with the back spasms. That's not good. He's one of the toughest guys in the league. So uh, hopefully that that doesn't end up turning into a narrative. Because right now we're, uh, I mean, unless something starts happening to if something starts happening to CJ, then it's it's full Golden State Warriors 2.0, uh, 2019. So Dame's got to get healthy. Dame's got to get back to where he not even where he was, just consistent. And a lot of it is just really bad looks. And um, easier said than done. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Stotts. But, like, I can't tell you in the New Orleans game, in the Houston game, San Antonio not so much, Raptors game I hardly remember now. But just so many bad looks. So many bad looks. Um, I, I I wish I could I, – I need to come with more specifics and more objective opinions here. But just just, just contested jumpers, little ball movement. Um <sighs> Hassan Whiteside is is actually, and I hate to say it, one of the more um, consistent guys as of late for us, and that just can't be the case. Yeah, that, that can't be the case if we're gonna be a not even a, an NBA Finals contender, not even a Western Conference Finals uh, contender, but a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a lot of this is stemming from injuries, Christian. But yeah. that's kind of where I'm sitting. Obviously, a lot to look forward to with with potential trades, Nazir Little. Maybe what Melo can and can't do for us, um, and who knows? Even though the experts say that that Powell being uh, gone and, and being in a more coaching capacity is a is a spot they won't fill. Who knows? Yeah. So, I'll say first off the your thoughts on the offense and the the suspect looks that Dame's putting up. I will say if you were to show me two plays, it could be any play from the first quarter and the fourth quarter of a game. And you cut out the sound, you cut out, you know, all the graphics, so I have no clue what point in the game it is. I swear I could tell you exactly when it is, because the first quarter the ball's moving every single time. Uh, Shots might not be going in, but the ball's moving, and 
things make sense in the offense. In the fourth quarter, it's Dame time to a fault, which I never thought I'd say, or it's CJ shooting early in the shot clock um, from three, like every single time. It's like in the first quarter, you're like, all right, finally, CJ's doing something other than dribbling against a dude for 20 seconds or taking a shot from, you know, I don't know, from three, from the wing. And in the fourth quarter, that's all he does. That that's the, the offense looks exactly the same every fourth quarter, and then the other teams get good double teams on Dame, and it just goes downhill. That's the thing the Raptors did. They they doubled Dame so dang well with uh, Van Fleet, and I think they even had uh, Hollis Jefferson on him. But yeah, the the Blazers' offense is not uh, good, especially in the fourth quarter. The other thing, and, and let's is, talk about let's talk talk about what do you think about the defense at this point? Because it's god awful. It's it's terrible. I mean. Nasir Little is probably the best defender on the team, and that's hoping that he doesn't get completely lost because every once in a while he'll just completely lose his defender because he's not very accustomed to the defensive sets that Terry Stotts plays. So, yeah, when he's on his man, he's the best defender on the team. Uh, Hassan Whiteside gets tired, lets people blow by him sometimes, uh, doesn't defend the pick-and-roll all that well. So it's been... And Damon CJ are better than they were a couple years ago but they're still not elite defenders by any stretch of the imagination so you see in the game where dame had 60 what was it it was like Kyrie and what was it dinwiddie that combined for like 65 or something like that i don't know but yeah the the defense is worse than the offense and 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 what was i reading about was it i don't know if it was nate uh nate man on twitter or, or somebody else was having a discussion about Hassan thinking that it was zone or playing zone when other people were playing man. I think it was just him just playing a really crappy man. Yeah, that's how I, I think, felt about I think cancer was, most of the most of the end of last season. I so. think he was just like 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 the like all the NBA oracles from Miami and abroad had said before this season. They said watch him on the just playing the weak side just mm-hmm. going big and or going home and it doesn't yeah. work and it's not good yeah and before the season started we talked about the blazers are losing their two best wing defenders and that's about the all that mo and aminu could do was play defense so the blazers were going to struggle you were saying rodney hits pretty good at defense he is pretty good at defense but on the whole the blazers just don't have much as far as defense goes and now that Zach Collins is out, that's what we were stoked about. That if they blow past those defenders, they're going to have Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside getting blocks. Without Zach Collins, it all falls apart. Uh, there's there's no wing uh, no wing defense, no forward defense, and then your center uh, it's Hassan Whiteside hopefully getting a block. You just got to hope for and it. And I hate I hate to be doom and gloom to everybody, but and 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 I'm an anomaly, and maybe I'm just projecting here. But um, fractured bones. Bones actually end up growing back stronger than they were before when they when they break. Mm. But when you have a dislocation, I've I've dislocated my left shoulder three four times. The ligaments just stretch more and more, and you lose cartilage inside of the bone, inside of the joint. I mean, and it it's it is by no means an easily recoverable, if not ever recoverable to the same extent injury. Yeah. Just I'm just putting that out there. So it's it's not good that we're putting the bank on Zach Collins. I understand it at the beginning of the season, but it's not a good place to be in as a franchise right now. Yeah. So just one other thing before I get into another rant. The West is hard. 
and the Blazers are currently three spots out of the eighth seed, which isn't that much. The problem is there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel, okay? The the Blazers, everything that's looked bad has continued to look bad. If somehow there can be more chemistry, Nasir Little can improve even more, which would be r- miraculous, and Carmelo Anthony can contribute well. I mean, the Blazers stay in games, but they just cannot finish them whatsoever. So, no. you know, that's the only light is if somehow they just start to gel and actually finish games. Um, otherwise, there's no signs of that actually happening. So... Are you ready for my completely ridiculous thought, which will make no sense whatsoever? Let's hear it. All right. Uh, I'm just going to go for it. The Portland Trailblazers have a better shot at making it to the finals than making it to the playoffs. First, that is a lie. Considering making the playoffs is a prerequisite to making the finals, it is literally impossible. But my point is, this team is going to have a very hard time making the playoffs in the first place. But if they somehow right the ship, make the playoffs, that means there's probably been some drastic change. Even if that's just actually playing defense and actually running plays in the fourth quarter, there's been a significant change if they're able to make the playoffs at this point. And if the Blazers can make the playoffs, I anticipate they've already traded for a former all-star power forward in Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, or LaMarcus Aldridge. And if that's the case, that drastically improves their starting lineup. If Zach Collins and Nurk are back, which I anticipate would be necessary to actually make the playoffs then they have a 10-12-man rotation of Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Blake Griffin, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, and then on the bench, they got Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Carmelo Anthony, Zach Collins, Scalabis here, Gary Trent Jr., Hazonia playing the three instead of the four and not getting as many minutes, so hopefully he's not depended on. But to me, that, that rotation has a ton of potential. At the start of the season, I said, if you add Blake Griffin to the core of Dame, CJ, and Nurk, that's title contender, maybe even the favorite. There's still that much potential, and I've seen only good things from Anthony Simons and Nasir Little, which I didn't expect at the start of the season. So my point in saying all of this, if I'm a betting man, I would say that the Blazers either miss the playoffs altogether because they can't figure it out, or if they do make the playoffs, their team is good enough, and they're good enough against the Lakers, the Clippers, anyone, because they have Nurk back playing well, they have Zach Collins playing well, and they have a power forward like Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, LaMarcus Aldridge, who can really contribute. Who I, by the way, would actually prefer LaMarcus Aldridge in our system and chemistry-wise at this point. Whoa. And I find more more realistic as a trade option. But, uh, okay, so I was trying to find where I found this, but I don't know. I was seeing stuff saying that Pistons fans are like, man, you're wasting Blake's prime. You need to trade this guy so that he can actually play somewhere and uh just showing like how disappointed he is after every loss and i saw someone saying here's what we'll trade you for him and i'm i think it was hassan and Tolliver, and they were like yeah get us Tolliver back and i was like okay maybe that's sarcasm i don't know but pistons fans like Tolliver, maybe i don't know so here is I don't what think, i'm gonna say I, I have to say one thing before you get into it yep, we go for it. don't have bargaining power right now we have Bats. none as a, in terms of at the beginning of the season, we had a lot. In fact, I think we, mm-hmm. we were inflated. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but we have yeah. no bargaining power right now in terms of that caliber of player. Unless yeah. an organization, unless we had more bargaining power with an organization, and the organization said we don't care what you want, and pulled a Demar yeah. Derozan and just shipped a player of that caliber out of there. Which, by the mm-hmm. way. Players tend to play lesser when they're traded in that kind of situation. Um, yeah. 
But we, not to get to that point, we have to get at least 500. At least. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you totally. The, the bargaining power is totally down. But those teams also don't necessarily have bargaining power because these are players that are getting paid way too much. So they don't really have all that many options for trading them away. The Blazers are probably the number one option. Uh, I'm not saying that to say, like, oh, it's a no-brainer. They're going to trade with the Blazers. But I think the Blazers still have um, a shot at getting these players, but I don't think that uh, it's as well as it was at the start of the season. So with Nasir playing uh, as well as he is right now, what are your thoughts on trading Nasir compared to the other Blazers' youngsters? Uh, Anthony Simons obviously has just been awesome. Nasir Little has been way more than I expected this early in his career. And Zach Collins has an injury, but he looks to be a key part of this team. So do you have kind of a hierarchy there? Are you like, this guy's untouchable, whereas I'd be open to trading this guy? What are your thoughts on that, Austin? Um, I would say that Zach Collins is a huge question mark, so I don't know how much weight he carries, and you might need to throw a couple other pieces in there with him, in which case I would say that question mark is best kept in-house. Um, and yeah. and then if he really is proving to decline or, or not being able to bounce back for any reason, which, by the way, he is young, right? Like, he's he's 21, or is he, is he 21 or 20? I think he's 21. He's, he just turned 22. 22. Yep. So, I mean, that, it's pretty young. Um, he, yeah. that's a good position. If you are going to dislocate your shoulder, that's a good time in the NBA to do it. Um, yeah. um, I guess the only other situation you could ask for is if you're like 20, like Anthony. Um, but Anthony can't trade him off the table. I said that two weeks ago on Twitter. You cannot do that in terms of just raw talent. I mean, he's had some very up and down games here, uh, ever since he had had that 15 point fourth quarter against somebody. I can't remember, but, um, I think that as good as Nazir Little is, if it required minimal trade, uh, if it if it, I'm sure the um, the draft pick contribution to include Nazir Little would be much more minimal um, mm. than than Zach Collins right now. Um, yeah. And Zach, even though Zach Collins is more proven in game, trust me, injuries right now. Um, especially if he's if he's not even on the court before he's shipped off that yeah the way that Nas is playing um it's a now type culture not just in basketball but especially professional sports um yeah so it it's all relative what are you going to be able to get for him um but i think that absolutely Anthony Simons is off the table if someone makes an attractive offer that's a it's of low cost involving Zach Collins that's clearly a position of need in terms of championship aspirations. Once again, people, I'm not talking in the context of development. I'm not talking in the context of, of five years from now uh, or even making the playoffs. Because in all of those examples, Zach Collins is that guy, at least to see through yeah. for the moment. But we're, we're looking at it through the scope of a championship aspiration. Um, so it's not even – do I want to see Nazir Little as a blazer? Do I want to see him develop? Do we do we need a, a a high motor energy guy at the wing? Yes, but if if it if it brings us a championship quality forward, whether it be a small forward or a power forward, ship him. Mm. That's my opinion. So, uh, 
Before I go into my final rant, I just want to start off by saying that Nasir Little is the next uh, Kawhi Leonard, and <laughs> I would uh, gladly... Pump know, the brakes. Nope, he's the next Kawhi. I'm calling it. It's, it's game on. Nasir Little's amazing. I'm, I'm his biggest fan already. All right. So, I want to say first off, the Blazers need to value their young players over first-round picks. Okay. That might be a no-brainer, but I just want to clarify that. Um. Because they did well. Olshay did well with them. Yes, and I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, When it comes to first-round picks, there's two first-round picks coming up that I would avoid trading if possible. First is next year's first-rounder. If this team doesn't improve soon, they are lottery-bound, and I personally would much rather trade the 2021 pick than the 2020 pick because next year could be a lottery pick. Second is the 2022 first rounder. The 2022 draft is anticipated to be the first draft without the one and done rule. That's not set in stone, um, but that's the anticipation. So there should be, I'm sure, at least five would-be lottery players who will be available coming right out of high school. So 2022 draft is kind of a goldmine. So the price for that needs to be much higher than other draft picks. That being said, the Blazers are locked in right now with Dame and CJ through 2024. Dame's is one year longer than that. This team will be in a win-now mentality for the next five years, and if that translates to actual wins, hopefully, they won't be having any lottery picks. Simons, Nasir Little, and Collins, regardless of draft position, are playing like lottery picks right now. Obviously, Collins isn't playing at all, unfortunately. But I know what you're thinking. Olshay has an eye for talent. He'll do it again in later drafts. No. No, he will not. I'm telling you, this is not to boast, and it's not to totally trash on Neil Olshay, just to temper your love for him, okay? You don't have to believe me with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. If I were drafting for the Portland Trailblazers, they would have Rudy Gobert instead of CJ McCollum, which, you know, some people say that's a plus, some people say that's a minus, I don't know. They'd have John Collins or Donovan Mitchell instead of Zach Collins, both pretty dang good players. And they'd have either Hamadou Diallo or Anthony Simons. Those were the two I was high on. I probably would have gone with Diallo just because of positional need and his athleticism. Um, and then this last year, I would have picked Nasir Little. So I don't even watch college basketball, and that's who I would have picked. So in my eyes, the Blazers had a relatively easy job in drafting the last few years. I don't know what the other teams were doing and picking other guys that were available, but hey, it's whatever. The Blazers are not going to have that easy of drafts coming up in the future, especially if they're going to continue to have late 20s, um, you know, late first rounders rather than lottery picks with that being said if the blazers can make trades for blake griffin or one of these top power forwards i really don't care if you have to trade the 2021 2023 picks maybe even 2025 pick avoid those even years and avoid getting rid of your current young dudes uh if they can get blake griffin for hassan and tolliver and and a first or two they need to do it Dame, CJ, Hood, Blake, Nurk, Simons, Little, Collins, Scal, Carmelo, Gary Trent Jr., Hazonia, uh, playing a more natural position. That's a really good team. So if I'm Neil Olshay, on December 15, the first day Anthony Tolliver can be traded, I'm calling the Detroit Pistons and saying, I will give you Hassan Whiteside, Anthony Tolliver, and our 2021 first-round pick for Blake Griffin. If they say no, I say either go straight to, all right, we'll add the 2023, and if if not, then I'm, I'm going to say, okay, we're going to reach out to some other teams and we're going to go for Kevin Love and LaMarcus. But you got to do something with Hassan's contract. Uh, there's no there's no tank this season. Even if you lose this season, you need to do something with that contract because mm-hmm. Hassan has $27 million and Bazemore has $19 million. That's just going to be gone next year. And the Blazers are only going to have like $10 million in cap space. 
that's not going to be enough to move the needle anywhere. So they'll be a shell of the team they are today without those two. And this team, as it stands right now, is not very good. And to your point, shout out, I want to, real quick, I I got to shout out my buddy Camden down here. He had mentioned how we have the most movable cap space in the NBA. Um, I have not fact-checked this, but I trust my good friend here. He said, I I believe, $145 million. So uh, in terms of the immediacy that you have brought up and how that needs to, to occur, uh, I would I would certainly side with you, and it sounds like my my good friend and, and old roommate Camden would say the same. Yeah, and the Blazers have the highest payroll in the NBA. I've I've seen places that they're the second highest. I don't know. I've I've seen highest everywhere I've looked, and uh, the point is they're up there, and currently they're the second worst team in the West. So injuries are mainly to blame. If we had Nurk and Collins, I feel really good about this team, but next year they got nothing if they lose Hassan and Bazemore. So. The Blazers need to do something, and I don't want anyone saying, oh, Olshay's a genius. They have $45 million or whatever it is to move around to get other players. No, this is Olshay's incompetence in, in that exact voice. free agency. That's how they so, all sound. That's exactly how all the critics sound. <laughs> the Olshay anyway, lovers. The point is the Blazers, Hassan Whiteside and Tolliver need to be out, uh, and you need to get... Can you say Hazonia well. too, please? Okay, like no. Yes. Stop. Yes, I don't I w- need you to keep defending him. He's so bad. Hazonia is very bad, but here's the thing. Tolliver, all he can do is shoot, and if he can't shoot, he's doing nothing. Hazonia is a worse Mo Harkless, and if Mo Harkless was starting at the 4 every night, the Blazers would be in bad shape. Same way with Hazonia. I think Hazonia can do something at the 3. My- I prefer to trade him. If you could trade uh Bazemore and Hazonia for someone and Hassan and Tolliver for someone else, absolutely that's a lot I, I don't, of turnover i don't, I don't think Hazonia that's gonna ha- i don't think that's gonna happen yeah. and but also- if hazonia is the 10th 11th 12th guy in the rotation i'll take that over the fourth the starting power forward no thank you i would also say that to the same point of zach collins being a question mark and not necessarily having a lot of bargaining power at the moment the way that mario hazonia has played kind of the similar oh. situation and you have to ask yourself risk versus reward yeah. Do we just do we just keep them and, and just kind of see what happens? Yeah, but I was able to trade David Johnson in my fantasy football team, even though David Johnson has scored exactly 0.2 points in the last six weeks. Cardinals so, fans down here in Arizona I, not too happy about his performance as of late. I guess anything's possible. So uh, maybe you can trade Hazonia for something, right? I don't know. Anyway, anything else you want to cover? I'm done ranting. I, I think that's now. it, my friend. Uh, as always, we want to thank our our, our, our uh, musical talents for, for their contributions. Um, I, I believe we'll probably have Anthony uh, Michoni as our outro and potentially, are we? I don't know if we're going to Ziggy Zay on the intro. Uh, Ziggy, where's the new music, buddy? We got to see it. What's going on? What's, what's going on? Oh, dude, Ziggy's <laughs> got the fire, though. Let's go. Uh, anyways, all of y'all, go ahead and give us a follow. Uh and a subscribe and a like and all that social media jazz, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, Anchor FM, Google Podcast, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and no, no, not Facebook. Not Facebook. Not yet. Facebook is the devil. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. Thank you.